Hello and welcome to episode 149 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. I'm really, really excited to announce the guests on this show. It's a huge one for me and easily one of the nicest guys in music. Today, I'm joined by the front man from one of the best bands on the planet, Beartooth, Caleb Shomo. We get to sit and talk all about his influences, all about the music scene and everything behind the music. But not only that, we get to talk all about their brand new album, which is out now. As it stands right now, their new album below is my album of the year. It's absolutely fucking awesome from start to finish. And I urge you all to go and check it out even now and pause the interview, listen to it and come back. Or as soon as this episode's finished, go and listen to it. You will not be disappointed. There's not one bad track on there and it's absolutely incredible. If you don't like it, you're dead inside. Honestly, it's that good. But before we get into the chat and I can't wait to get there, trust me, let's just touch base and talk about the last episode. On episode 148, I was joined by the amazing actor, Lucas Jade Zuman. We got to talk all about his brand new film, Dr. Bird's Advice for Sad Poets, all about his acting career to date and much more. And as always, I want to say a massive thanks for everyone that took the time and listened. It was a great interview and such a great guest and hopefully he'll be back for more. But let's get back to today's episode. This is a huge one for me and I mean it. Caleb is absolutely awesome. I'm so glad he's come on the podcast and a huge thanks to Emma for making this interview happen. I love you and I am honestly for the rest of my life in debt to you. I think the best thing to do right now is to get straight to this interview. Honestly, it's so, so good. Here's me and Caleb talking all things music. So Caleb, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Well, thanks for having me, you know, just uh, just happy to be here. What I want to do today is there'll be loads of fans that have joined in who know of your band, but for the people that don't know of Beartooth, where the fuck have you been all your life? But until that moment, <laughs> let's go back to the start. So when you were growing up, I'm sure you like me, you had a job and all your money went on CDs and gigs and stuff like that. Was it, am I right? Or were you not? Was it later on in life? No, I, well, I, it was very early in life. Yeah, uh, I, I've never technically had a job other than being in bands. Um, yeah, I started playing music since kind of before I could remember. And my life was music. It revolved around it. Uh, it's just always kind of been felt like it was in in my blood, I guess. And then, yeah, when I was uh, 14 years old, I was in a band and we got signed. And then 15 years old is when I started touring full time. I am 28 years old now, and uh, this is actually the longest time off of touring I've taken in the last 13 years was uh, the pandemic. So yeah, it's basically just been music and rocking out full time for (laughs) my entire adult life. So, So when you were growing up, can you remember those first sort of albums that you were buying that made you fall in love and shape the sort of bands you listen to today? Absolutely. Um, you know, my favorite band of all time is ACDC. And that was like the first record that I went out and like bought with my own money was Back in Black. And that really changed everything. Uh, that shaped the way I act on stage, the way I write songs, uh, you know, the guitar sounds I like to use. I mean, everything. Uh, but, you know, beyond that, there was a lot of Motown. A huge fan of like the Temptations, you know, David Ruffin's one of my favorite singers of all time, 
Michael Jackson, uh, Toto. Yes. You know, there was a ton of, a, a lot of different spectrums of music uh, all around at all times. That's such a collective mix. I didn't, I don't know why, but I had more of a inkling that you'd be like, yeah, I love ACDC and Pantera and Deftones and all these bands. I didn't expect you to throw in Motown and Michael Jackson and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Well, don't get me wrong. I love all those bands. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I didn't really get into metal until I was, I don't know, like 13, probably. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, at first it was, very melody driven music you know that was what hung around kind of the house a lot and um you know obviously if you've heard the band you know the bear tooth if you've heard our records like choruses are a very uh, prominent thing and uh you know having some melody is always an attempt of mine but that's yeah that's just something i was raised around and it will always be very important to me don't get me wrong i love just playing straight metal yeah like it's nobody's business but uh yeah, there's nothing like a good a good hook and a good melody. That's still always going to be uh, number one. I mean, when I talk to a lot of bands and I'm finding out about the influences and the early sort of records they were buying that kind of helped shape their taste today, one thing that blows my mind is well, the sort of first gigs that they went to be kind of... Because there's one thing listening to CDs and spending all your money on music, but when you go to that first gig and you see a band perform some of those songs in front of you, that's when you kind of get it in your blood and you kind of like, you know, that's what you want to do for the rest of your life. Can you remember those first gigs that you were lucky enough to go to that were like, fucking hell, there's, I'm never going to go and work in an office. That is what I want to do. Yeah, I will never forget uh, the first like metal show I ever went to. And honestly, one of the first shows I really even remember. Uh, it was OzFest. Oh, amazing. I, I cannot remember the year, but it was System of a Down was headlining, Disturbed played, um Avenged Sevenfold played and I just remember you know so it was like one of my best friends at the time in like middle school uh his dad somehow through his job he got some tickets and he was like you know I know you like rock and roll and like do you get you kids want to go to this thing 2002 was that the year wow yeah yeah apparently 2002 but it was like you you know you guys want to go to this show I was like sure uh go to the show and you know, it, I, I had never experienced anything like this. It's at a big amphitheater. You know, there's people everywhere. It's super hot out. You know, he goes, he grabs a beer. We get a couple of, you know, Coca-Colas or whatever. We go to our seats and uh, fucking Avenged Sevenfold comes on. And they start the show, I believe, covering Walk by Pantera. Fucking hell. And I'm Yeah. Oh, man. Like there's just beers flying in the air. There's a mosh pit at the front of the pavilion. You know, he's yelling fuck at the crowd. Like I've never heard this word yelled so many times through a PA. I was like, this is it. This yeah. is it. I'm sold. And then disturb comes out and you know, they're playing down with the sickness and like fucking stupefy and like incredible absolute bangers. I mean, and then System of a Down, I loved System of a Down. And I mean, their show, yeah, I was going to say, I thought it was 2006. I didn't think it was. You made out he was like about six years old or something. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I definitely was not. I would have been nine in 2000. Yeah. Like, Come on, son. Yeah. yeah. Put down <laughs> the yeah, Lego. We're going to go and see Pantera. Yeah. Right. And oh my. But yeah, like, they're just playing the fucking hits. 
and then it, it was the craziest show and yeah ever since then dude that's that's what i've i've wanted to do and that's incredible that you haven't had to go and get a taste of those horrible jobs that you just sucks the soul out of you and you just have I, to do it to pay the bills i mean to you're very yeah. fortunate in one way you know with full respect incredible. that's that's amazing because you know a lot of bands i speak to have had to work their way up and they're constantly having to do another job in the background and just ugh, it's like trying to get the weekends off so they could go and do some gigs but it must be in your blood so much that you just you, you were destined for only one thing <laughs> it, it, it works um you know i and again i will attribute a lot of it to luck there was obviously tons of hard work and i yeah you know, played my ass off to you know become musically talented and like I, I really did work hard but at the same time like i understand how insane it is that i never had to get a normal job uh it, it's absolutely nuts and then even from then you know i tried you know i i understood that and i knew how crazy it was and i tried to really set myself up uh even you know when the band was first really getting off the ground and i started making a little bit of money you know, I had enough to get like a little, you know, just tiny interface, little studio setup. And, uh, you know, I got it to learn how to make demos. And then, uh, you know, after having that for like two days, I was like, you know what? I love the idea of mixing and producing and like recording. And so I just put all my time and my money into that and i was like this isn't going to be my backup plan because a band is only going to last you know however long um so yeah even out of you know out of the gate when i was very young i i wanted my job to be music so i always prioritized like the reality that uh you know you need to work to survive and to make money and being in a band rarely ever lasts forever so uh better set myself up with something in the music industry I can do that uh, I can, you know, make a living with. And how is it that you find that kind of balance? Because I see a lot of bands where the the musicians in the band, people like Fry's and the band A, where the guys that are in the band have gone on to do production and they, you know, they, they produce their own albums, but they also go and work with other bands. Is that something you see yourself doing a lot more in the future, even though you've got Beartooth as your number one project? Are you looking at producing other bands and trying to get, you know, these up and coming bands heard and out there? Is that something you'd love to be doing a lot more of? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, I used to do it way more. Yeah. Beartooth, you know, became so all consuming that I just never really have time for it anymore. Um, but, you know, even in the time off, like I got a couple of mix gigs. I got to mix a few records, which was really fun, which I haven't done for another band in forever. But um, yeah, you, you know, it's something I really miss. And, you know, it, it, it's so tough because so much of me just is dying to produce another record for another band like yeah. i haven't really you know had a band over in the studio every day for a month and a half i haven't done that in probably six seven years and uh it sucks like i really yeah but at the same time Beartooth is really fun <laughs> things are doing really well i get to kind of literally live my passion project um as my as my living, which is really amazing. So it's like, it's just this balancing act of like the reality that Beartooth is really great. It's really fun. But at some point I might need to take like, you know, a year off or six months off and just like produce some records just to like scratch that itch again. 
I mean, I've been following your band for many years and, you know, when I've gone to download festivals and Reading and all these different slots and seen you playing support slots to bigger bands and then becoming your headline act, it must be hard because you are in the band and it's your main focus, but to be on the outside and see it, you just continue to evolve, you know, as a band to see it from the outside, it's nothing but respect for you guys to see how you just keep going and building up. And you see a lot of bands decline. You see bands just not wanting to do it as much or just going on a tour just to just to sell and just to just you can just tell their hearts aren't in it. Um, with you guys, and I'm not just saying this because you're here, I've never seen you put on a bad show. And I do truly mean this when I've seen you each time you've been in the UK, you've got better and better. And I don't know how you do it, but you just seem to give everything that you've got in your system and you're as a whole band it's not like your drummer's looking a bit bored and just you know oh, this will do you <laughs> all are looking like it's the last gig you've ever played and it can be in a Birmingham academy in front of a thousand people or it can be at download in front of 30 40 000. but what do you do as a band or as you you know independently that you're just so fired up every time you go on stage because you've unless you're really good at hiding it you look like you're having the best time of your entire life i i truly am that's yeah. all it is like i i and i've also worked very hard to get to that point you know when i was first starting out it wasn't as i don't know going crazy on stage at in the early years was just kind of something you did like at least in the scene we, we grew up in it was like if you weren't going nuts up there if you're just standing there playing you know this music that's that that doesn't fly you, no. you gotta give it all you got and that was implemented into me incredibly young. And with so many of the bands uh, from the kind of like metalcore and screamo and whatever you want to call it, that that kind of heavy scene, it was about going nuts. And then, you know, Beartooth in the early years was very heavily influenced by a lot of bands that were doing that as well. Like, um, you know, specifically a band called The Chariot, um, you know, which was the band, one of my good friends, Josh Scoggin, uh, he used to front the, the Chariot. Uh, he used to be in a band called Norma Jean and he's now in a band called 68. But, I, I, you know, we toured with the Chariot a handful of times and I've seen them all over the place. And they truly, you want to talk about a band that every show was do or die. I yeah, mean, yeah. like they did not care. Uh, it was just, I've never seen anything like it. They were, you know, and we, that's kind of, again, like that's the scene I grew up in. And then I just realized that, like, I don't know, that's that's just what I do now. I can't play a Beartooth show and just stand around. Like, I literally no. can't do it. it. It just doesn't work. Like, I need to, the moment we start, it can, it can be, you know, at any time of day. I could have been awake for 30 minutes. Like, there are days on Warped Tour where we played at, you know, 11, 15 in the morning. And I literally are, you know, are somebody in the band's like shaking me out of bed at fucking 10. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. Like I'll get up there and I'll think like, there's no way I'm going to be able to get through this. Like I'm just going to crumble, but it, it, the switch flips and I just go. And, um, you know, that doesn't mean I'm going to put on a good show. Like I have definitely bombed many times, but it, it doesn't, it, it mean I'm going to try, I'm going to fucking give everything I got. And, it just now I think I've become so addicted to that feeling of just being completely depleted after a show. Like if I don't feel like I 
just ran a marathon and got hit by a truck. Like that's the feeling I crave after a show is just that I know I gave it all. And uh, it, now I've just been working on it. You know, I've been trying to train myself to be able to do it longer, go harder and get better because I think that's what brings me more joy on stage. And I think what our fans that are paying money to come see the band deserve, like you've said, you know, you said in your opinion we've gotten better over the years and i really think that's because for me i have so much respect and understanding for what it takes to get a ticket to come to a show and for the people to really support you like after doing this for so long and being in multiple bands it means so much and uh i just want to be putting on the absolute best show i possibly can for every one of those people who got a ticket like i know it sounds so cliche and it sounds like i'm just totally like spouting out my ass but this is real like you know to to take your hard-earned money to go watch me flail around like a chicken with my head cut off for an hour and a half is unbelievable yeah well i want to be able to do that i want my voice to be really strong and i i just want to be physically stronger and um so like i mean you can see behind me that I have like a little mic stand and a microphone. Uh, and I try and do this every day. I, I go to the gym in the morning and do like weights and, uh, you know, try and build up my strength. And then I come down here, I turn the lights off. I put, you know, my headphones in with like a set list, you know, with like a bunch of live tracks that I put together. So it feels like the show and I go and I sing the set. And if I'm not singing, I'm trying to do jumping jacks. I'm trying to like, do my cardio and like just build and uh you know it all started with just like this is what you do to me falling in love with it to now it being something that i want to give back to the fans that are coming to the show is that they get to see that do or die 110 percent performance every night please never change because i don't think bands realize that it's quite transparent so i've seen bands that have gone on like a reunion cash grab tour and they've come back after so many years and it's you so just odd. know it's yeah. like i love the band but at the drive-in i was so excited when they came back the first time around it's like, oh my god it's been 10 years and i saw them in london it cost me shitloads of money to get a ticket mm-hmm. and i could just see the moment they came on it was like they're not into this they're not doing this for the fans it's it's fine and I respect them, but it was like, oh, it's so obvious. And it was like, yeah. it just it just knocks it out of you as a fan. You're like, oh, God. Yeah. And they were, again, that's one of those bands that, like, that was part of their show. It was like, you go to an at the driving show, you don't know what you're going to see. Yeah. You know? Like, it could be just, they're going to do something insane. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I love that. And like, I want that to continue to be a part of our show. And, the reality is for me that I'm only getting older and it, that, that means that I need to work harder. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't have to stretch. I didn't have to do anything. I just get up there, go nuts, have a couple of beers and then see you later. Like easy. Now I, you know, I got to get eight hours of sleep. I got to be drinking tons of water. I got to work out every day. Like it, but you, you get, <laughs> you get from it, what you put into it. It's yeah. that simple. And you know, I want this band to be my life. Like I want this to go as long as I can physically keep putting on a bear tooth show. But when I can't put on the show anymore, that's like, I don't want to be one of those bands just forcing it and just getting up there and going through the motions to get a check. Like, yeah, 
you know, that's just not, I'd rather be producing music. than You're not, you're not going to become the who, don't worry. I have no worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw them with Eddie Vedder and it was just like, they're, they're just, just let them be, just let them retire. It, it, there's a time, there's yeah. a time and a place sometimes where it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to just, to just take a nap and, and change a change of pace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And at the moment, obviously, you're going to be promoting all the time and it's only just over a week away until we get Below, which is your brand new album. Um, I've been lucky enough to hear it. And for the fans that are listening to the podcast right now, it will be out. So they'll be getting into it now. How was it recording and going through all this during the shittest time of our entire lives? Uh, Let's not, you know, sugarcoat it. We're all kind of trapped in this prison and the world's gone fucking mental but you still come through and produced, in my opinion, your best work. And you must be so proud personally that you've got something to offer back to all the world when, God, everyone's just taking everything from anyone at the moment. Yeah. Um, yes, it has been tough. <laughs> it has been tough to say the least. Yeah, creatively. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just... It was it wasn't even draining, it was just mortifying. Yeah. It was like there's why am I even waking up in the morning? Like what is the point? Like I you know, I come down here and I come into this room and I I pick up a guitar and I am genuinely trying to make something that's worth listening to and just can't. There's just no magic. And like I feel like it was like that for everybody between daily lives and you know, especially being a creative for your living like that's it was tough it was super tough and then throw on top of that all the insane things going on in the world throw on top of that just yeah the the pandemic the the whole bit oh yeah. my god the fucking worst year ever literal garbage yeah. and um so to make a record that is so this is a pivotal moment in our career you know i think this was like the record that I had a really important choice to make, um, which was, you know, most bands, I feel like if they were, if they're in our position, you have a lot of commercial success. Um, you have some radio success. The the shows are growing, you know, the shows are starting to sell out. The rooms are getting bigger. You would think that the normal choice would be let's, let's lean into it you know let's write more songs for the radio let's write more commercially available songs uh that more people will listen to they'll get more tickets and you know sell more tickets fill more seats whatever that's what the majority of bands do i mean because it is a business yeah as well as it is a passion it is a business and that's how you grow um but i made the decision to just kind of do the opposite Uh, i was very inspired by uh slipknot and when they talk about making the record iowa you know coming off their first really big success they they had a big choice to make it was do they lean more into the melodic the catchy or do they do what they want to do which is make a really heavy record and they went fuck everybody we're making a heavy record yeah and i you know i don't think i did it on the exact scale of fucking iowa but like still it was it was a big choice i felt kind of like a pressure to choose um do i make like a really heavy metal record which is what i'm truly in love with at the moment and really want to do 
or do I go more for, um, you know, what I know will be easier to get onto the radio and easier to get into more people's ears. Um, yeah. So I just went for heavy and like, so to do that, which was already pretty nerve wracking, uh, and throw on top of that, the fact that, you know, the isolation, the, every tour just keeps getting canceled. The dates keep getting pushed back further and further. You know, the records at a point where it's like, you can just turn it in whenever you want. We have no idea when is it going to be a good time to put this out. So like, whatever, just do your thing. Whenever you're done with it, you're done with it. You know, for me, I didn't have any fire under me of like, this is the deadline, you know, work, push. It was just exist and make a record. Um, thankfully, you know, I made the most of the music and the riffs out on tours. Yeah. Which was great because, you know, again, like I was saying, this is our, our biggest tours we've done. Um, so much energy in the room every night. And I got to take that and translate that into the music. But then to arrange everything, to make those real songs, not just riffs that I know are going to be fun to play live, like to really make that a whole album and then to put lyrics that really mean something to me during a point in life when I feel like nothing fucking matters in the world it was incredibly difficult. And then to mix that, to, to really care about mixing, to really fucking care about the mastering. Um, and to know that like, you know, I didn't work with anybody else. Like I didn't have outside producers. I didn't have outside writers, which is what I usually, which is what I'm used to. And it's not for lack of trying. Like I, you know, tried doing like Skype sessions with, yeah. you know, some of my really good friends who I've been writing with for years and just didn't work. It, it, it just, it, the magic wasn't there. And, you know, when push came to shove, I was just like, I've got to just trust myself and, uh, and put all the chips down on this thing. And, um, you know, it really was a, a so much passion went into this record because I had nobody telling me how, what to do. Nobody kind of steering the ship. It was just like dive in and go as deep as you want and make a record. And it really gave me a lot of like the feeling I had when I made the first Beartooth record, which was, you know, before we were successful at all. And I didn't care about other people hearing the words I was going to say. I didn't care about people interpreting the songs in the wrong way and then judging me for thinking I'm crazy or, or whatever, you know, all those like fears that kind of come over the years of success. Um, with the isolation came this ability for me to almost trick my brain into like going back to that place where nothing fucking mattered anymore. And I could, you know, as sad and, and as difficult as it was in those moments, I was able to find kind of that magic again of like writing a record because I love writing records about screaming lyrics out because it really is cathartic and it really does help me mentally. Um, and, and, or like just even writing a riff being like, how fucking heavy can I make a part? Like I was, you know, 12 years old again. Um, it, it, it was this amazing thing. And as much as the pandemic fucking sucked, I don't think I would have ever been able to create this record without it. Do I wish the pandemic never fucking happened and I had a different record? Honestly, probably. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, I think it made for a really, really special record and yeah, just something I could never do again. 
and that's the thing as much as the circumstances are shit you'll never ever be given this opportunity again to be put in this position with the surroundings and the life around you and everything being put on hold so to listen to this album and hear how much pain anger hurt upset every emotion is so genuine and it reflects in the music it reflects in the lyrics it reflects as the whole production is incredible and I, I, as much as it's shit and the world has gone to absolute hell you've got something that at least is positive and the world will absolutely fall in love with this album because all at the moment if you you know the fans out there have heard stuff like fed up and that just for me sounds like someone's gone into a, a gig with a microphone and just captured it's it doesn't sound like a normal song it sounds like there's this I don't know if it's ambience or whatever it is, the way it's recorded, it sounds like I'm there. It's hitting me in the yeah. ribs. I'm shaking. My body's like, oh my God. And it doesn't sound like anything else you've done. It doesn't sound like a record that is also coming out this year from other bands. It's it's captured something. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. But when I listen to it, I feel like I'm at a live show. And I'm like, fuck, I just want to fucking see this band in front of me now ripping this stage apart and playing this because it sounds like they are, you know? Yeah, it, it, dude, thank you so much. I mean, that really was something that was incredibly important to me the whole way through uh, making the album is capturing that live energy. Yeah. Because again, you know, a ton of these riffs were written on the road and were written with in my, you know, it was written in mind about being pumping through speakers and like playing so loud on stage and just this overwhelming energy that, yeah. Um, Again, another thing with isolation is I had so much time to experiment with all of my gear in my studio and uh, come up with new ways to kind of change the sound of guitars and whatnot. But yeah, that song specifically, you know, I, I decided when I was mixing it, like, I don't care if this sounds good. I just want it to sound loud. Like <laughs> there's there's like six different guitar tracks that are all just as loud as the other one. There are, you know. I'm running the vocals through like this tape effect that kind of you can hear the room a little bit more. Um, yeah. Uh, so know. that's the secret. That's what it is. That's what I've not known what it was. Now I know, but it works, man. It's yeah. it's the closest I've been to like a gig with not being physically there. So it, it works. Well, that, that means the world to me because I was really trying to make it feel like you're just at a show in a big venue just getting pummeled. <laughs> wow. And what I do on this podcast to make it kind of original as I can is I always ask the guests, and it's more difficult for bands, I can see producers and directors quite quickly knowing, but the outro music to today's episode will be chosen by you. Now, mm. I don't let you suddenly take a week to think about it, but it doesn't have to be one of your own songs, but I want to know a song that means hell of a lot to you, that from the moment I ask the question, it comes to your heart, it comes to your soul, and you know it's a perfect outro song for this episode that would be for you. So I know at the moment you're like, oh, I've got 10 songs, could it be this, could it be this? And then at four o'clock in the morning, you're going to wake up and think, ah, oh, fuck, why didn't I ask for this? Nah, I, I got one. But if I, you've got it, then brilliant. Away. Yeah, uh, it's a song by a band called The Dirty Nil, which is one of my favorite bands out right now. Amazing three-piece rock band from Canada. Uh, it's off their new album. Um, the album's called Fuck Art, which is hilarious. Nice. Uh, and they're, the song's called Elvis 77. Perfect. And it is an amazing song. From what I have read uh, about the song, it apparently is written uh, from the perspective of Elvis dying on the toilet, which is hilarious. But like, 
I don't know. For some reason, that song just strikes a chord. And every time I hear it, I am immediately just like excited about life. And it just rips. I mean, it's just a fucking killer rock song. Awesome. I mean, that's really good. Most bands take a lot longer. And I'm still sitting here in 20 minutes going, okay, they're going to decide soon. We've got it down to two. <laughs> but you nailed it straight away. So that's the perfect yeah. tune. That's what will end this episode. And obviously, we'll plug those guys as well. Right on. Love it. Caleb, we are literally out of time, but I wanted to thank you for all your time today coming on the episode. I am so excited for this album to drop. It's annoying when you review albums and you get them early because you want to tell the whole world and you're like, guess what? Have you heard this song? And they're like, oh no, you haven't yet. But in a week's time, everything changes and all the people I'm telling you to listen to it will be able to. And I can't wait for people to hear this album because honestly, in my opinion, it's your best work. And I don't want another lockdown, so you have to then produce another album like this, but this is going to be an album that people can be talking about for a long time. Well, I appreciate that so, so, so very much. Seriously, had an absolute blast today, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. It's been incredible. Awesome. And when you're on the road later next year, I'll come down to a show. We'll hook up with Emma. We'll have a beer and we'll uh, catch up properly. Better believe it. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on the show, dude. And I really appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks. You too. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Caleb. And as I said at the start of today's episode, he's an absolute legend. Such a great guy, so interesting, easily one of my favourite episodes I've done. And we're nearly at the big 150. A massive thank you for Caleb for coming on. And as I said earlier, the album is out now. It's called Below and you need to do it. Go out there, stream it, buy it, buy a vinyl, support this band and go and see them when they play the UK. They're absolutely fucking awesome. And my dad did say to me the other day, he likes this podcast, but I need to stop swearing. And I can't. I can't when this band is so bloody good. But I'll try and not say the F word as much. I hope you've all enjoyed today's episode just as much as me. If you have, please jump on social media. Jump on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All the links are on markandme.com and share the hell out this episode. Honestly, it costs absolutely nothing to share it. Go on there, hit that share button, hit the retweet button, do whatever you want. Tell your best friends, your family, your grandma, whoever you know to listen to this and spread the word. It makes a huge difference and helps this podcast so, so much. If you really want to win some amazing prizes from the likes of Last Exit to Nowhere and Vice Press, jump onto my Patreon page because anyone that signs up and supports the podcast on there, not only do you get episodes early, do you get a pin badge of Mark and me, do you get stickers, you get the opportunity to win some prizes that money can't buy. The prizes each and every month are getting bigger and better and it's my way of saying thanks for supporting the podcast. Right, I'm going to go now and truthfully I'm going to go and listen to Beartooth because they are absolutely awesome and you should do the same. So until I speak to you again in just a few days time with a brand new episode, look after yourself, listen to Beartooth, stay cool and I'll speak to you all soon.